Well, hello there, and welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It is Tuesday, and on Tuesday we do crazy comedy or serious drama. And I think it's back to crazy comedy because today we have an episode of the Henry Morgan Show from January 29th, 1947. Uh, Henry Morgan is a pretty much forgotten comedian, but the shows are really good and really interesting. I don't even know what to say other than they're weird and funny and unusual and they hold up quite well for a modern audience, which is the goal here. So... We are going to listen to an episode of Henry Morgan from January 29th, 1947. Here we go. What can possibly follow Hope and Crosby? The Henry Morgan Show? Eversharp, manufacturers of Eversharp chick injector razors and blades, brings you the Henry Morgan Show, featuring Bernie Green and his orchestra and a few surprises. Good evening, anybody. Here's Morgan. Thank you. Thank you very much. The small news this week is that a gambling syndicate offered me $35 to throw the program. a local joke. <laughs> the big news is that people all over the country wrote in after last week's show when we had no studio audience, and the vote was, well, believe it or not, it was about 50-50. And I'd like to tell you about a typical letter. And you may not believe it, but this was typical. A man would write, I don't like a studio audience. I wish you didn't have a studio audience. A studio audience spoils the program. Please send four tickets for next Wednesday night. <laughs> So, from now on, we'll have some people here, unless you refuse to come, in which case we'll give away some refrigerators or something. <laughs> Hello, Richard. <laughs> That's a national joke. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to open the second edition of the Morgan Digest. The little pocket magazine that has done so much for the pocket. <laughs> we know that nobody has time to read everything that's printed, so each month we dump all the magazines, newspapers, and books we can lay our hands on into big pots. <laughs> then we boil this material for 24 hours and skim off all the words that rise to the top. <laughs> we arrange them into sentences, <laughs> rush them to the press, and soon another Morgan Digest hits the stands. Before we open the digest, let's look at the cover page where the names of the articles are listed. These articles, the titles of them, are so interesting that some people ignore the magazine and just read the cover. <laughs> Here are some of the titles. First, is George Washington really dead? I used to be an adolescent. Why we pick our teeth? What's wrong with management? What's wrong with labor? What's wrong? How to make sawdust at home. There's money in banks. Is dandruff destroying our civilization? A rhinoceros looks at life. Life goes to a rhinoceros. 
That gives you an idea of the cover. On the inside of the cover, we always run a short biography of one of our editors. In this issue is the story of Lester Haunch, the editor in charge of semicolons. Lester Haunch was born in mid-Atlantic. Upon reaching New York, he decided to apply for citizenship, and taking out his first papers, he rolled himself a cigarette. Before coming to the Morgan Digest, Lester Haunch held a number of interesting positions. He has been a purse snatcher, a tackling dummy, and a fishwife, and was second in command at the Battle of Bull Run. He is poet, thinker, and imbecile rolled into one, and is certainly the kind of man that any magazine would be proud to dismiss without notice. And now, Bernie, open tonight's copy of the Morgan Digest. Bernie, this is Digest Night. The condensed fanfare, please. Here's another article in the Morgan Magazine Digest by the famous political analyst, Rudley Mongoose, who gives us an inside picture of the southern state of Cornpone. Mr. Mongoose is the author of such exciting books as George Washington, founder of George Washington High School. Virginia, it's people and hands. Women of America, their names and phone numbers. <laughs> California looks ahead. Philadelphia looks back. Jersey City looks terrible. <laughs> the following article was both written and digested by Mr. Mongoose for the Morgan Digest. It's called Cornpone, Father of Governors. <laughs> I have dedicated my little book as follows. To Herman, champion of squatter's rights. As I motored through the beautiful state... <laughs> well, I had a good time with it. As I motored through the beautiful state of Cornpone, I was impressed by how impressive it was. On the farms, I saw farmers. In the cities, I saw city people. It was laid out very logically. <laughs> when I reached the state capitol, I was welcomed by a number of emissaries sent out by one of the governors. <laughs> greeting... <laughs> greeting the men in turn, I recognized many old friends as I peered under each hood. <laughs> I said to one of them, I hear there's trouble about the new governor in this state. Is that true? And he said, No, no trouble at all. Everything's O-K-K-K. He stuttered a little. I saw that he was the governor's new secretary of state, his old-time friend and locksmith. But I remembered that the main reason for my trip was to investigate Cornpone with an open mind and to prove that everything I'd written about it is true. I stopped a happy couple on the street and I said, You seem very happy in Cornpone. <laughs> We was just married this afternoon. Congratulations. I guess you're going to raise your family here in the city of Snafusia? Oh, yes. We're going to have at least ten kids. <laughs> Maybe fifteen. <laughs> well, that's how I discovered that the corn poners are an ambitious people. I stopped another man and said, can you tell me how to get to the city hall? Sure, straight ahead, then turn left at the red light and keep left. My suspicions were confirmed. 
This man was a radical. <laughs> Finally, I investigated business conditions. I interviewed a typical corn pony and manufacturer who said... Yes, sir, the new governor is great for my business. Splendid. What's your business, Colonel? I'll manufacture bed sheets. As I... As I boarded my train for the trip back home, I realized that Corn Pone had taught me the truth of the old saying, two heads are better than one. <laughs> Professor M.B.S. Morgan holds the chair of applied tatting at the University of Dublin. Professor Marmaduke, Buskerd, Sniggering Morgan will now give you a special condensation of the light opera, The Mikado, by Gill and Sull. He will be assisted by the condensed orchestra of Mr. Bernie Green, Professor Morgan and the Mikado. The Mikado briefly opens with a chorus of Japanese gentlemen on the stage, rhetorically quizzing the audience as to whether one knows who exactly they are. Quote, if you want to know who we are, we are gentlemen of Japan, so forth and so on, so forth and so on. <laughs> At this point, a wandering minstrel announces that as his major vocation, he is a wandering minstrel. <laughs> This announcement is received by the company with mixed feelings, the most prominent of which is indifference. Quite. <laughs> all right, already. Oh, yes, quite. Sometime later, the emperor appears. He is, by the grace of the shogun's emperor of Japan, king of Yokohama, president of the Dart, and MacArthur's best friend. <laughs> the chorus sings, quote, bow, bow to the emperor of Japan, so forth, so forth, so on, so on, so on. From which I imagine we get our quaint custom of bowing to the emperor of Japan, quite. <laughs> There's also a chorus of Japanese people who sing in their native tongue. Miyosama, Miyosama, some other drivel, and so forth and so forth. <laughs> it evolves eventually that the minstrel, the minstrel is actually a prince who, in order not to marry Katisho, is engaged to marry Yam Yam, and is also scheduled to be beheaded by Coco. I rather think these are all assumed names. <laughs> Quite, yes, that's quite so. At this point, there's a dialogue between someone and a dicky bird. The gentleman asks the bird why he's sitting where he's sitting, and the bird, quite rightfully, I think, ignores this invasion of his privacy by answering, uh, willow, tit willow, and so forth and so forth and so on and so forth. 
which may be some sort of code, or maybe what any bird would answer to such a question quietly. <laughs> number of other things happen in the Mikado which are not terribly important. The proper people marry the proper people, and so forth and so forth and so forth. And it ends quite fittingly, I think, uh, with the finale. Uh, this manages to bring the proceedings to a dead stop, quite. Charlie, uh, mm -hmm. I've decided that, well, I'm too, too big a man to make commercial announcements myself. Just too big. But I'm supposed to. So I'll tell you what, I'll make the announcement, but you put in the actual commercial words, will you? And then a big man like me won't feel so bad, okay? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the... Ever sharp chick injector razor... Is a good... Razor. It sells for... A dollar and a quarter. Complete with 20... Blades. The... Eversharp Chick Injector Razor... Changes... Blades... Automatically. All you do is... Push, pull, click, click. And you have a new... Blade. Automatically. <laughs> if you ever need a shave, if you want to, you can remember the name... Ever sharp, chic injector razor. Thank you. <laughs> Picture skew speech. These remarks have been selected by the editors as masterpieces of colorful speech. Oscar Levant is a wit. Oscar Wilde was witty. But John Greenleaf was wittier. <laughs> First... Brilliant and unusual saying, quote, In the summertime, it gets very hot. Voltaire. In the wintertime, it gets very cold. Voltaire. Voltaire can be very dull. Mrs. Voltaire. <laughs> the incongruities associated with American lingual characteristics reflect a debilitating influence on regional linguistics. Jimmy Durante. Out, out, damned spot. Snow White dry cleaners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Confucius. Yeah. Anonymous. The Union, now and forever. Westbrook Pegler. <laughs> Outside, it's cold and drizzling. Inside, it's hot and sizzling. Bacon. <laughs> On page... <laughs> Start that a little lower. On page 20, we find another inspirational article. Be glad you're stupid. <laughs> if you happen to be stupid, 
Don't worry about it. Be glad you're stupid. It's a mark of distinction. Sets you apart from the crowd. Why, I was talking recently with one of the most stupid men in the country. And he said... Sure, I'm stupid. And I'm glad of it. When I was in the third grade, I was six feet tall and weighed 280. I could lick any kid in a class, and I was going steady with the teacher. Yes, it's fun to be stupid. The other kids didn't pin no nickname on me like Fatty. They showed me respect. They called me stupid. Yes, stupidity helps you avoid such childhood embarrassment. Kid next to me strained his eyes reading. I can't read. A special blank edition of the Morgan Digest is published for those who can't read. Ate dinner the other day with a very intelligent fella. He ordered something fancy, got indigestion. I ordered in one syllable, ham and eggs. I feel fine. It pays to decrease your word power. I got me a good job, a good pay. And don't forget, I'm running for Congress again next year. Have a cigar. Yes, it's fun to be stupid. And on page 20, we find an article entitled... The most forgettable character I ever met. Most forgettable character I ever met was a gal by the name of... Uh, uh, well, her name ain't important, because I always called her by her nickname, which I made up for her, which was... Uh, Swell gal she was, too. Uh, uh, well, uh, maybe it's her sister I'm thinking of. <laughs> she had a sister. And, uh, no, wait a minute. That was my sister. Let's see. Was that the one with the big blue eyes and a board missing in the fence? <laughs> Blue twas. Why, only if I... Seems like yesterday. In fact, it was yesterday. <laughs> Don't remember what year exactly, but it's, it's... No, I never forget a face. Hey, right by Jiminy. <laughs> There's a face right there. Yes, sir, I know a face when I see one. That's a face, all right. Yes, sir, it sure is. Never in my whole... Oh, what I started to say about this uh, fellow was... Uh, uh, most forgettable character I ever... What? A right, pause. Been... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was going to say it. Were you going to say it? it? has my name on it. All right, you... <laughs> Well, we can start again some other Let's night. Let's do it together. A, A pause, pause for, for the Elm, Elm City Four. I want a girl just like the girl that married dear old dad. She was a pearl and the only girl that daddy ever had. A good old-fashioned girl with heart so true. One who loves nobody else but you. I want a girl just like the girl that married dear old dad. When I was a boy, my mother often said to me, Get married, boy, and see how happy you will be. I have looked all over, but no girlie can I find Who seems to be just like the little girl I have in mind. I will have to look around until the right one I have found A good old
old-fashioned girl with heart so true, one who loves nobody else, no one but you. I want a girl just like the girl that married dear old dad. And now on page 20, we find an inspirational article entitled... Be glad you're poor. (laughs) My wife and I have been poor all our lives. And I want to tell you, it's fun. We laugh at life. (laughs) And life laughs back. (laughs) You know, today there's too much emphasis on material things of life. Food, clothes, housing. After all, what do they amount to? (laughs) Just the other day I was saying to the wife, I was saying, wife... I guess we're just about the poorest people in the state. Sure are, Henry. Took us a long time, but we made it. Yeah, lots of folks sneer sneer at us for living down here by the city dump. That's sure handy when you want to throw something out. (laughs) Yes, we certainly have a lot of advantages. Why, when it rains, the first thing most folks think of is running indoors. Not us. We don't have any roof. You know, I read today in that scrap of paper that blew along about a man who got drowsy and fell off his yacht. <laughs> Couldn't happen to us. Yeah, fell off his yacht. Probably been poisoning himself with meat and potatoes. <laughs> Made him sleepy. Yes, eating food is dangerous, all right. Why, we got no gas bills, no phone bills, no light bills. We need light. All we need to do is set fire to the house. Yes, it's certainly fun to be poor. I can't see why some people complain about it. Sometimes it seems like an uphill road, wife. But we'll keep climbing hand in hand. And someday we'll reach the top of that hill. And just over that hill, wife, is the poorhouse. What more could we ask? I laugh at life. (laughs) On page 20, we find... Still another inspirational article entitled... Be Glad You're Dead. (laughs) By Jonathan Beagle, born 1600, died 1652. And although this has no connection at all, here is Ted Husing and the Shavathon. Gentlemen, again tonight we bring you the most famous ever sharp chick shave-a-thon, the most daring demonstration ever conducted by any razor. Right before this microphone, in full view of our studio audience, we will now conduct another actual shaving contest, which proves week after week that ever sharp chick injector razor gives the world's quickest, easiest, cleanest shave. In the last demonstration, an ever sharp chick user whisked in the winner in the sizzling time of 41 seconds. Tonight we have six more contestants picked at random from the studio audience. Three of these men are from New Jersey, one from New York, one from Florida, one from Massachusetts. Three are going to shave with the Eversharp Schick Injector Razors. Three will use other well-known safety razors. Well, who's going to win tonight's big shave-a-thon? Here the contestants are out on the stage. They're all added up. They're at the post. They're waiting for the signal. And here it is. And they're off. And again, tonight's big shave-a-thon is on. Well, I wish you could see these six shavers up here tonight on the stage. They've started this race all added up. Now they're assembling razors over there. But look at these men here with the Eversharp Schick. They're already out in front because with the automatic blade changer, there's no blade to unwrap. All you do is pull, push, click, click, and there's a blade all ready to shave you. Fast, you said it. Smooth, right again. Easy, say, mister. It's a pleasure with this razor. And there is the winner. How do you like that? In that quick time. He must be the fastest man in the whole wide world. And, uh, Charlie Irving, what's the official time? It's 20 seconds, Ted. 
And the winner is Mr. Schreier. Mr. Schreier, swell. Congratulations, sir. Now you have actual proof that with an Eversharp Schick, you not only shave faster and easier, but your face feels smoother and more comfortable. You can feel the difference. You bet no sting, no pull. Yes, folks, for the world's quickest, easiest, cleanest shave, use an Eversharp Schick Injector Razor. 20 seconds. I don't... Well, that's what they get if they're going to put an eight-year-old boy in the contest. <laughs> Oh, well. End section. The Morgan Magazine Digest presents the condensation of a full-length book. The story... The story of a devilish romantic adventurer who had real joie de vivre, esprit de corps, and hardening de arteries. <laughs> to him, all the world was a stage, and all the people in it, merely women. The biography of our Henry, entitled, Is Morgan Really Dead? <laughs> I'll never forget my first night in Shanghai. Shanghai, city of mystery and intrigue. Where east meets west and west meets east. And north, northeast meets south by southwest by west. Shanghai is not like most American cities. It's like most Chinese cities. At the time, I happened to be an agent of the secret police. And I remember the day I reported to my superior officer. I approached his door and remembered the secret knock. I had forgotten the secret knock, so... Come in. What is it? He screamed. <laughs> K-94372 reporting, sir. Hello, K-9. He joshed. K-9, I have a secret assignment for you, known only to myself. What is it? I don't want to tell you. I think I know what it is, Commissioner. You want me to capture the sinister and dangerous Kwang Ho Jung. More important, I want you to capture the brains. Kwang Ho Jung's mother. You mean? Yes. Ma Jung. <laughs> I set forth at once on this dangerous mission. Dot, dot, dot. Cut 20 pages while Hero tries to get a rickshaw. <laughs> My rickshaw arrived, and my customer jumped out, tipping me handsomely. I proceeded... Well, it's a sort of a switch, you know. I proceeded down the dark alley to the Jong home, right next to the Jong heap. Boo. Suddenly... Ka-chow! A bullet split the air. Ka-chow! 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 Another bullet. They were after me. When I regained consciousness... I found myself in the arms of a beautiful, mysterious brunette. We kissed passionately. I said, I love you. Do you love me? Yes. Who are you? She queried coolly. I retorted, I am Harry Craswell, secret police. I didn't give her my real name, Oswald Craswell. <laughs> How I hated it. Take me away. Please take me away. Take me with you. Take me away. She nagged. <laughs> I refused to take her with me because I wasn't going away. She kissed me with her deep, sensuous kiss, which was the only one she had. Suddenly, I tore myself from her arms, and I went to Nicaragua. 
Dot, dot, dot. Cut 24 pages while author describes Nicaragua. One day, while in the oil fields... Ka-chow! A bullet creased my forehead. Ka-chow! Ka-chow! When I regained consciousness, I found myself in the arms of a beautiful, mysterious blonde. A half-breed. Half-Nicaraguan, half-half-wit. Take me. She decided. She kissed me again with that deep, sensuous kiss I was beginning to find so boring. Ah, my darling. Cut 20 pages. Passionate love which holds up story but sells book to the movies. The next morning, I found myself in Bucharest, center of mystery and intrigue. At the time, I was the Yugoslav ambassador assigned by the United Nations to building new warm water ports and answering the phone. (laughs) One day, the phone rang. I bent forward to answer it. Cut. When I regained consciousness, I found myself in the arms of a beautiful, mysterious redhead. Who are you? I murmured between kisses. Ka-chow. Ma-jung, I exclaimed. For it was indeed she. I kissed her passionately, in a monotonous way. And suddenly I noticed... The program was practically over. Eversharp, manufacturers of Eversharp chick injector razors and blades, invite you to tune in same time, same station, next week when Eversharp will again bring you the Henry Morgan Show. They're yours again. Eversharp Chic Injector Blades for the world's fastest, safest, smoothest shave. Just insert the automatic blade changer in your Eversharp Chic Injector Razor, push, pull, click, click, and you're ready to shave. 20 blades, 75 cents at good stores everywhere. This is Charles Irving saying goodnight for Eversharp. This is ABC, the American broadcasting company. Well, okay. Henry Morgan Show, January 29th, 1947. Um, I don't want to explain all the jokes in this show, but I... I'll have to explain a couple of them. One of the very first jokes in the show was you hear the sound of a door opening, and that's it. And then he says something to the effect of, oh, hello, Richard. My producer looked at me like, what in the world was that? Well, here's what that was. In 1947, when this show was on, the number one song in the nation was a comedy novelty song called Open the Door, Richard, which was based on a a black Chicago disc jockey named Richard Stams. And the song had this whole riff about knocking on doors and then Richard opening the door and all this stuff. So that's what he was referring to, but today that's lost on everybody. The other one was a line about John Greenleaf was wittier. (laughs) <laughs> now, Whittier, spelled W-H-I-T-T-I-E-R, is a town in Southern California where I lived for a while, and the founder of the town was a guy named John Greenleaf. But in this case, it was a twist on the word Whittier, meaning uh, witty, as in clever. <laughs> I don't know, these jokes are really wild and crazy, but that's that one. And it was also interesting to hear the reference to the KKK and the the bedsheet manufacturers in the southern states. That that was well ahead of its time. So there you have it. Henry Morgan. I, he didn't last long with these sponsors because they, they, a lot of this stuff was, it was not necessarily 
prime, well, how do I say this? It was not exactly what most radio listeners were used to at the time. It was way ahead of some of the, some of the, the audience and <laughs> the ratings for his shows weren't too good, but the shows are great. They're just so full of these weird, weird jokes, some of which are topical and some of which are not. You have to know the, um, the play, the Mikado, to realize, or the musical, to realize what he did to the Mikado in this broadcast, too. Uh, and if you're familiar with the Gilbert and Sullivan operetta, the, the Mikado, you'll know it was quite an interesting spoof of that. If you've never heard the Mikado or know what it is, then you probably got lost in that section, too. But again, the brilliance of Henry Morgan was that he didn't care. He just did what he wanted, what he thought was funny, and certain segments of the audience would get it, and everybody else would kind of go, Huh? But anyway, that's Henry Morgan. All right, this is the Good Old Days of Radio show. We've completely baffled you this time, and we'll be back next week to baffle you again. We'll be back on Thursday with more of the, what are we doing? Lucille Fletcher, the Lucille Fletcher series. Uh, we're coming, winding down that, I believe. So we'll be back with that on Thursday, and more crazy comedy or variety next week. So until then, this is John Tefteller saying goodbye. Thank you.